Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Run of Maple Leafs have lost, hope is dead, and all I have left is wrestling. Wrestling never hurts me. Welcome to the SmackDown Podcast here on the Russell Talk Podcast channel. I'm your host, Tempest, alongside the lovely and wonderful Sad Ediagi. Hey, this is House of the Black Mask. I'm, I'm trying to put some enthusiasm back into you, sir. Yeah! It sucks that your beloved Maple Leaf have lost. Today, I'm used to it. But today's a great day. It's Saturday or Sat E Day. What day is it, guys? Yes, it's Sat E Day. What time is it? It's Sat E Time. It's that time again where we talk about the bloodline. The bloodline. And there was a lot to talk about on this episode of SmackDown, and we will get into it all. Make sure, of course, that you subscribe to the WrestleTalk podcast channel if you haven't already. Make sure to like this video and comment what you thought about this, this whole bloodline situation, about the booking of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament, everything that's happened on this episode of SmackDown. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. But we are going to get into the bloodline segment to start this show. We didn't do a thing. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah! That's for everyone there. At the end of the year, I'm going to get an editor to put all together a compilation of us doing that. That's going to be sexy. Tasty snacks. <laughs> and so we get into this episode of SmackDown. Because this episode of SmackDown featured the return of Roman Reigns. The first time he's been on SmackDown since WrestleMania. And that just feels like forever ago. Baffling. But regardless, set that aside. This was the episode of SmackDown where they actually started doing the story that they've been telling us has been happening for like the last month or so. Right. Because everyone's been talking about like, oh, the bloodline is crumbling. Oh, Sami Zayn keeps talking about the bloodline crumbling and everything. And we've seen no, no, evidence. no. evidence of that. I don't see it. I don't see her. I don't see him. Sure, the Usos lost to WrestleMania, and then they lost their rematch, but we haven't seen too much outside of Paul Heyman being on the phone and being like, Solo, you gotta you gotta kill these brothers of yours. <laughs> yeah. And he's never done that. No. But this episode is where things change, because Roman Reigns came out, and he says, acknowledge me, and the like, and he really gasses up Solo Sokoa first. Mm. He says, yo, who needs to step up? This man step up. This man was the MVP at Backlash. 
He stepped up. He's been the guy. Look at this man. We were worried about when he got called up because he's he's standing amongst some of the best of all time. No, the best of all time. And you know what? We weren't sure if he would sink or swim, but he's swimming like a shark. And then there's Yuju. He looks at the Usos. And you knew this was coming. Yeah. This is they've been telegraphing this is the direction that this storyline has been going. He says, You think that you guys were just gonna lose your tag titles at WrestleMania and we weren't gonna talk about it? And then he asks, Why would you dedicate this tag team rematch to me? And then lose. He says, I'm not a tag team wrestler. We have some great tag teams in this in this bloodline, this lineage. You're disrespecting the family by dedicating this match to me. Yeah. And the Usos are like, oh, like real, like bashful. Mm, oh, shucks. Uh, oh, shucks. So, and Roman Reigns asks them to apologize. Apologize. And Jimmy Uso is laughing. He's smiling. He's like come on, bro, like, I don't really mm. want to do that. Like, can we just not? And Roman Reigns is like, no, why are you smiling? Why are you looking at him? I'm talking to you. Yeah. Oh, th- th- we're doing the commercial again? Ha ha, I'm a clown to you? I'm making you laugh? The WrestleMania commercial. Good WrestleMania commercial. Yeah. And this goes and goes. And finally, Roman starts, like, poking at Jimmy's chest, and then he pie faces him, gets in his face and shoves him. That's right. And now it's like, oh, now... The crowd realizes that something's going down here. Mm. And Jimmy looks like he's maybe about to do something drastic. But Jay gets in between them and says, ah, we apologize, Zeus. We apologize. Situation is diffused. But once again, it's Jay Uso putting his ass in the fire to save his brother. You know, we'll have this whole discussion about it. But, you know, you, you start to think back to when Jay Uso was forced to join the bloodline in the beginning. Yeah. The Hell in a Cell match. He did it to save his brother. Yeah. So, you know, it's still a lot of the same character motivations at play here. But then we get the announcement. Roman Reigns asks for Paul Heyman to update the Usos and says that at Night of Champions, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will be defending the Undisputed Tag Team Championship against Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. Hot dog. And then he, he dedicates that match to the greatest tag team of all time, the Wild Samoans. And that is how the segment ends. But there were ve- there was a, a number of things to latch on to and talk about here. Yeah. There was a segment later where the Usos were pissed off backstage. They wanted to pick a fight with the LWO, and then they went their separate ways. That was the end of the bloodline on this show. Mm-hmm. But Sat, what yes. did you make of this here segment? So uh, as you're recapping it, I had a light bulb moment. So... When you're talking about how Roman Reigns was guesting up Solo Sokoa, saying that he dealt with the riddle problem. And then Solo was mouthing the KO and Sammy problem. And then you saw Roman pour the most fakest of laughers. We don't have a KO and Sammy problem. And then later when Paul Heyman announces that the tag title match is happening, it kind of confirms one thing or two things. Number one, Roman Reigns was lying. There is a KO and Sammy problem. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't want them to know that they still get into him. And number two, Solo kind of nearly spoiled the announcement that he wanted to lay on the brothers. I think Roman had this elaborate way of, of like dropping the anvil on the Usos and Solo, who's not about playing games. As you all saw, when Solo got told that, you know, Sami Zayn is the enemy, Solo treated him like the enemy. He didn't play, he didn't smile from ear to ear and play games. He kind of showed hostility. 
So he's doing the same way where he's kind of right now a bit not feeling his brothers, feeling that they're probably weak. You know, he's feeding into the Kool-Aid that uh, Roman's been feeding as he's the new right-hand man. He used to be Jay Uso. But now Solo Soko is the new right-hand man. And now also, you know, they formulated a plan to take the tag titles because Solo and Roman Reigns have a better winning record than the Usos currently. So that makes sense. But it makes me laugh that Solo need to ruin the, the, the surprise reveal because he's very one-track minded. They, mm. They've turned him into like a machine who operates on a singular level. If you tell him, I want you to take out this person, he's not going to stop until he takes that person out, which is a great trait to have. But it makes me laugh that Roman wanted to, uh, you know, he couldn't really control the monster. So that could also be a little nugget of what's going to happen in the future because Solo is the kind of guy you can't, he's really unpredictable. And I still love the fact that Solo never does the we the ones uh, when uh, when Roman's around. He, no he doesn't do it uh, when Roman's not around, I mean. And when Roman's around, then he puts his hand up. But usually mm -hmm. when Roman's not there, it's those the Usos and, and then Solo's like this. But yeah, I, I like the fact that it was different. Like, like you said, what annoyed me after WrestleMania, they said, oh, the story, there's more to continue. You know, there's the, there's this there's twist and turns along the way. And what it felt like, they picked up a script from last year and ran with it. And it was really, really annoying. And then you, when you have Roman in a, in a situation like this with his family members, it's very, it's top notch. Roman Reigns is a fantastic performer. Jey Uso is incredible with his visual storytelling, with what he does with his emotion and the acting on his face. Jimmy o Uso is underrated in that department as well. He He's holding his own. Everyone in that group, including Paul Heyman, they were holding their own in their individual roles. And I did thoroughly enjoy it. It's a shame you don't see Roman Reigns every week because this is the kind of storytelling we should have had a while. It felt like when Roman's not around, it's like a holding pattern of, you know, what we're going to do. We're going to twiddle our thumbs and just rehash the same crap or regurgitate the same crap we've been saying for weeks. So I'm happy that there's some sort of progression. And I guess there could be hope for the bloodline yet, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree, because I've seen uh, people discussing this announcement on Twitter, and on one hand, it's like, yeah, it is ridiculous that after WrestleMania, Roman Reigns won't have uh, won't be defending the title until, like, I don't know, SummerSlam, maybe Money in the Bank, but a long wait. And I do agree that that is ridiculous, but if we set that aside for a moment, I'm intrigued by this tag title match, because Lord above, I can't imagine that they're going to put... Four belts on Roman Reigns. Maybe they will. Famous but... last words. That's what I want to say. Famous last <laughs> words. Isn't it? Isn't that being the crux of his title reign? They ain't going to make him hold, hold the title that long. Okay, he is. They ain't going to put two belts on him. Oh, they are. They ain't going to let him keep the title long. Oh, yes, he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. he, he's not going to win this six-man tag match. The New Day needs to win this. No, he won. Oh, he's a triple threat match with Bobby Lashley. Biggie like, gets pinned back. No, he pins Biggie. Like, Roman Reigns has been defying the odds. Even when uh, towards the end, when he walked out of the ring, he's walking slowly past the, the new belt. And I was like, don't tease us, Roman. <laughs> he's, he's looking at it, he's contemplating. He's like, oh, do I want that belt as well? And he goes, no, nah, I got too much stuff going. But what, what annoys me, what we've seen post-WrestleMania confirms that Cody should have won the title. Yes. Right? Cody's feuding with Brock for the title. What's Roman going to do? Roman's back since WrestleMania. He's in a tag team title program. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. All the things we're watching is like, what, what I don't like with Roman Reigns' title reign at the moment is the shoehorning things that shouldn't be shoehorned in. It doesn't feel natural. It's not a natural fit. It's not a natural progression. And it's like, they really are booking for accolades. That's what it is right now. It's like Roman Reigns is not even a wrestler anymore. He is a walking billboard. <laughs> 
he's just a litany of, of, of accomplishments. That's what he is right now. He's not even a human being anymore. They just want to add more to it. So when you say they're going to put the tag titles on him, why not? Then for KO and Sammy to win it back at some no no the SummerSlam because you need Roman to wrestle at SummerSlam, but then he got a new world title, which kind of excuses him not to defend the title. Again, all it does, all this storyline does, it confirms Roman should have lost the title. So Roman, in terms of staying relevant, he's like, I'm gonna go for the tag titles. That seems easier because I can't beat Cody or whatever. It, it could have been ways to tell that story without again. I'm gonna I don't want to go right on a tangent. We're gonna move on swiftly, but I'm just not happy the fact that he's still champion. I still yeah. I, I agree, but at the very least, this match in Saudi Arabia, I think they're going to... Uh, I, I'm intrigued because it's the first match in a long time where it's like, well, Roman doesn't necessarily have to win this match. You know, he, he could win. Maybe they could lose. Maybe Solo's going to eat a pin. The Uso could cost him the match. I don't yeah. know. There's things to, the, to theorize about. It's the Uso. Definitely. I can see the Uso being overzealous and screwing things up, and then Solo gets pinned, and then Roman's mad because he dedicated the match to his dad and his uncle. Mm. So he's like, you made me look stupid in front of my father and my uncle. And then that's what's going to escalate. That is The whole point is the bloodline is crumbling. So let's see them crumble. Let's chip it away. Let's not do it bloodline is crumbling, but we will in the six-man tag match at Backlash. You know, let's right. see it actually happen. Yeah. And, of course, you also had, like, the Jey Uso aspect of this segment where he's still the one who's sacrificing his, you know, honor, perhaps, or whatever the case is. His humanity, be. man. His it's... humanity is a good word for it. He's sacrificing that to save his blood, saves Jimmy. And, again... What I do kind of like about this whole story, there's still a lot that I like about the Bloodline storyline, but when you go back to the really famous Bloodline segment last year, the I don't give a damn about what the Tribal Chief says story, uh, segment, and Jey Uso's really going off on Sami Zayn, and he says, like, I shed blood for my family. Would you? And that's his mm. real gripe, which is mm. like he wasn't going to let Sami Zayn into the group mm -hmm. because he wasn't going to sacrifice for his family. Which is true. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. And that, I shed blood for my family. That's not just, like, you know, physical. That is, like, as we saw in this segment. Like, he is willing to sacrifice whatever it is to keep this family together, to keep his family safe, whether that's Roman, whether that's Solo, whether that's Jimmy. And, I, I mean, Jey Uso has been one of the most consistently well-rounded characters in WWE for the last few years, and... Sad if you the way you say it, it kind of makes me feel sad for the character, it's such a tragic figure, right? Yeah, I want him to get his comeuppance, and maybe he will. I, I have my doubts that Jey Uso is ever going to be the one that really like beat Roman Reigns. I don't maybe he'll cost Roman Reigns the title eventually, like he'll finally be the reason that Roman loses or something. But I think that the real emotional crux of this story, and I think the real Real important bit that if everybody is going to look back on the Bloodline story mm. as a whole and be like, that was a success or that was a failure, it's going to hinge on what happens at the end with Jey Uso. True, but it's one of those cases is what is the end result? Is it like Jey Uso holds the key to Roman's downfall against his opponent? Because we all want it to be Cody to be the one that ends Roman Reigns' title reign, but it, just, it doesn't mean that it's is Jay gonna play a hand in, in making that happen? That's that's the that's the thing is that in order because at the end of the day we we can excuse it because it's a wrestling storyline. It's not you know HBO you know prestige series or or Netflix. So we can it's, it's wrestling at the end of the day. So we can kind of like overlook if Jay's not a part of it, but he has to he has to be part of. I feel like 
that the group has to dismantle before Roman loses. But it's not going to happen by SummerSlam. That's the thing that annoys me because I feel like Roman's going to hold it out to next year. Because if it is, by oh! if it is by SummerSlam, we're we're approaching June now, so it's like mm-hmm. they have to speed things along. Yeah. It, it could happen. I mean, another another point of reference is Batista and Triple H and Evolution. You know, things got sped up after you know the first uh, New Year's Revolution and then Royal Rumble and. You know, it depends how committed they are. Cause I don't know because they 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 they're pacing things out so much that I'm not sure they're gonna pull the trigger on yeah. this breaking them up. We'll see. But let us know what you thought of this segment and the bloodline where they are right now. Let us know in the comments below what you thought of it. And uh, before I get on with this, as this podcast is currently airing, so too is the PFK World Cup to determine the best in the world at WWE 2K23. Day two, the no rolls barred block, the NRB block, if you will, where they will all be competing. It's Adam Blompier, Sullivan Bo Brown, Lori Blake, Holly Musgrave, and editor Terry Lamangi all competing to see who will advance to the finals to face Dan Layton and who will raise the PFK World Cup to determine the best in the world at WWE 2K23. So when you get done watching this podcast, make sure you go over and check out that live stream over on Parts Fun Known. You won't regret it. We had a lot of fun yesterday, and I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of fun today as well. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. We will get on with the rest of our SmackDown review because this was a wrestling-heavy edition of SmackDown. The opening match was the first of two triple threat matches to see who would advance to the SmackDown final of this little World Heavyweight Championship tournament. And the first match was AJ Styles facing Edge and Rey Mysterio. I thought this match was really good. So good. Shocker. Three... All-time greats in the ring together, having a a fantastic match. The finish got a little bit wonky, unfortunately, but we'll get to that. This was a really fun match because, as we will see in the following triple threat match, Mm. these were two very different matches in terms of style, Mm -hmm. in terms of just layout and pacing and everything. This was the crisp finesse match where all of the moves that everybody did would lead into one another. It was like a really cool, like long sequences of moves 
where seemingly gone are the days of like the triple threat match where it is just like, okay, we'll dump one guy to the outside and then we'll both wrestle one-on-one and then one of us will get dumped and then the other guy will come back in and you just rotate like that. There's a lot more of everybody getting involved and everybody wrestling everybody at the same time in these kind of matches. And I really like to see that. It just kind of shows progression in the industry, in my opinion. But like this match was so fun for that reason. There were so many good moments where... AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio were tied up in like the slingshot position and Edge was on the other side of the ropes and Edge hits a sunset flip, which causes AJ to go back over and launches Rey Mysterio at the same time and Edge ends up in the pinning position. It's really cool. They did a series of pins where one guy would kick out of another pin into a small package from the third guy, kick out, and it was really, really good stuff. It was a Tower of Doom spot. Edge hit a double spear through the ropes to the outside. Loads of fun. Loads of fun. The kind of thing that you really like want to open your, your show with. Just a really good, fast-paced, fun match. You have three guys in their 40s. Mid-40s. Not even like newly 40. Yeah, mid-40s. Edge in his late 40s. I think he turns 50 next year or this year. Um... You know what's interesting as well? It's the first time all three guys have wrestled, you know, together. And what a great first impression that was. Because I don't know, has Rey Mysterio faced AJ Styles before? I'm not really completely sure. Not one-on-one, I don't think. There's another match that could happen. It's exciting things. You just reminded me. It's weird seeing Edge on SmackDown, but a good weird. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. I mean, Edge made his career on SmackDown. The SmackDown 6, the Rated R World Heavyweight title reigns were predominantly on SmackDown. So SmackDown is synonymous with Edge, but since his return, he's been on Raw. So Raw is known for being a more segment, a promo-heavy show. So seeing him wrestle-wrestle was great seeing that happen. It's kind of like reminding people there's a reason why he was on the blue brand for for, for ages. Uh, Rey Mysterio still wrestling the highest level. AJ Styles, that whole injury thing just rejuvenated him. He's mm-hmm. he's come back with a great chip on his shoulder to prove himself in, in that ring. And I want to send props to whoever uh, orchestrated the match because you're right, the layout of the match was so good. It's, it's, it's kind of layout you, I was shocked they, they actually went with because I thought it would be like the formulaic, you know, let's kick Ray out for a bit. Let's do AJ and Edge because they got a whole history of Judgment sure. Day feud and, and WrestleMania and so forth. Let's do that. And no, it's just three guys consistently just you know trying to outpace each other out wrestle each other and it was like the most cunning person won the match which was aj styles mm-hmm. so i really appreciate it and i would love to see them do another true perfect match down the line on the uh, uh, ple i would really love to see that as well i mean yeah there, there was a lot of again really fun connective moves especially as they got in towards the end when you started seeing all of their finishers start getting countered by one another yeah when you good. had like AJ Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, but Edge ducks. Mm. And then that leads to Edge going for his spear, but AJ Styles jumps, and that ends up taking Edge onto the second rope. And as AJ Styles is jumping over Edge and walking forward, he gets hit with the seated senton from Rey Mysterio, who then goes for the 619, which Edge catches and puts him in the educator. Like, a great sequence of events. Again, unfortunately, the finish got a little bit a little bit bollocked up because it seemed as if uh, Rey Mysterio was going to hit the 619 and then probably get speared out of midair mm. by Edge to then turn around and get hit with a phenomenal forearm. And that mostly happened, but the spear out of the the, the dive didn't, didn't quite work. 
Uh, it's a shame because they've hit that move a lot, and it's always looked good in the past. But this one just the the commentators didn't know what it was. It kind of left the match on a bit of a flat ending. But otherwise, really fun up to that point. But AJ Styles moving on to the main event of SmackDown, where he would face the winner of our second triple threat match. The second triple threat match being Bobby Lashley versus Sheamus versus Austin Theory. Now this match was totally different from the first one. This was. A little bit more of the let's dump the other guy out, but but less in a formulaic sense and more in the, well, he's the chicken S-word heel who's trying to run, so we'll beat him up first, then dump him out so the big two guys can fight each other instead. Yeah. Sheamus and Bobby Lashley, of course, putting their differences aside, dumping Austin Theory out, and he would kind of pop back in throughout the, throughout the match. But this really was kind of Bobby Lashley and Sheamus muscling each other around. Good stuff. And eventually... Bobby Lashley's got Austin Theory in the hurt lock, and Sheamus hits the brogue kick. And I think it was the brogue kick that busted Lashley open yeah. because it was right at the finish that all of a sudden Bobby Lashley's just got like blood coming down the side of his head. And it looks gross, it's nasty, but the brogue kick hits Austin Theory. And I guess Bobby Lashley at the same time, it was kind of just like throw the kick. Oh, no, no. In, he in had, all of it. When he, was he not bloody before that? He I, I didn't notice. Because I, I think he went for the corner. I feel like something happened in the corner for him to get busted open because mm. he, he had blood and he did like the elevated spine buster. Then mm. he did the the lock. Then I it see. was the bro kick. And then that's when he threw Sheamus out and went for the pin. That was the finishing sequence. Yeah. Um, Bobby Lashley being on SmackDown, that's weird, even though that's where he started his career. Uh, is Again, it's a good weird, because now that the draft has happened, this is the draft coming into effect. So is everyone going to the new shows and is getting used to the new wrestlers that we have to review, because we don't really review Bobby Lashley that much. With Gunther going to um, Raw, Bobby Lashley was a great trade-off for Sheamus to fight with. I mean, Drew McIntyre's now on Raw. Gunther's now on Raw. So Bobby Lashley being on SmackDown means Sheamus has someone he, he could have hard-hitting battles with if he choose to. And if we had Hurt Business, we could have Hurt Business versus Brawling Brutes. Ooh, but I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to move on swiftly. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. No, you brought it up. That sounds fun. Why didn't they do that? Stupid company. Anyway, yeah, so Bobby Lashley wins this match. He then advances to the main event to face AJ Styles. This is a real TNA-ass match. And that's, that's what I wrote. I wrote two legendary TNA world <laughs> champions battle it out. That's what I wrote down. Because if you do think of TNA slash Impact, those are some of the guys that's synonymous with it. Yeah. What was missing is like Bobby Roode, him being part of that list, Kurt Angle, Sting, Jeff Jarrett. But when it comes to WWE-based guys, yeah, those are the two guys you, you tend to think of because they both had notable title reigns for that company. Yeah. So after these two triple threat matches to open the show, we then had backstage Grayson Waller shows up and he asks Adam Pierce for like a weekly or maybe not weekly, but his own talk show, which is going to be on SmackDown next week. I'm mixed about this. I think he will be able to carry it. I'm a mm -hmm. fan of Grayson Waller. I think mm -hmm. he's really good. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know how many more of these get a talk show because you're heel segments. I sat through too many episodes of Happy Talk. I think it's just what I'm getting at. But Grayson Waller is much more palatable than Baron Corbin. And speaking of which... Leave Baron alone. No, Leave I will him not. alone. Baron is not as bad as you make him out to be. This man is ass. The man is not a butt, all right? It's the company's booking at his butt. 
He delivers, even in the, he delivers in all roles that he's been put in. Even right now, he's doing well. He <laughs> delivers consistent two-star matches, and good for him. Listen, listen, I'm one of those guys that didn't want Kurt Angle to face him, okay? So it's not like I'm like a super huge Baron Corbin fan, but I do see the value in him, especially how he was booked initially in NXT. They, they, there, was, there was something there. There was something there. As much as people want to do the Mandela effect and pretend that he was never good or whatever, he was booked well once upon a time as a threatening heel wrestler. It's just along the way, you know, he's matured from what, how he used to post on social media. The guy that you're thinking of today is not the same guy today. Baron Corbin seems much more chill than he, how he used to be. He used to be a guy that used to go out there and, you know, off the indie people, said, ah, you know, I came from NFL, you know, they have to wrestle in bingo holes, blah, blah. He's matured as a person. And in the ring, he's underrated. He does well in, like, with good wrestlers, he can produce something. I'm just saying that. I'm just thinking that people just, too much on Baron Corbin, just too much hate. I'm on the, I'm on the bandwagon that Baron Corbin is underrated. I don't see it. But we immediately then got a Baron Corbin match because we had the main roster in-ring debut of one Cameron Grimes to the moon. And this match was uh, not much of a match because Baron Corbin grabbed the mic and said, ah, you're going to be laying on the back wishing you were back in NXT. Ha ha, you're the last pick of the draft. And then immediately Cameron Grimes hits the cave-in and wins like within seven seconds. Fine. Honestly, I said in my edited review, if I have to see Baron Corbin on this show, a seven-second match is fine with me. Boo. But all, all I want to say is a nice callback to uh, Cameron Graham's NXT debut because he used to win with the cave-in in seconds. That was a thing back in the days. What's missing... So for a lot of people, if this is your introduction to Cameron Grimes, just understand, when it comes bell to bell, he's one of the best in the ring. And when it comes to uh, character work, he's also really good as well. I'm just worried that he's one of those wrestlers where when he's a heel, he's he, like he's, he's for me, he's better as a heel because uh, he, he can play vicious really well. But I feel like Vince is stuck on having bumbling southerners. He heard him sp speak, and I'm worried that he's gonna get slotted into a Heath Slater kind of role because he kind of has kind of a similar kind of uh, cadence to Heath Slater. So that's the kind of thing you're gonna pick up on. Great humor, because you can do the humor thing as well. Like That's one of the things that got him over into a baby face when he became a self-made billionaire. Stonks! Yeah, putting money into stocks and he became a, a millionaire. I miss millionaire Cameron Grimes. I miss him with a bushy beard and a top hat. When he was a swamp-like character, he was he was incredible. It's kind of him and and Pete Dunne were like two guys you had to watch out for in NXT. They just were dangerous. But now he's been sanitized and made more palatable as a baby face. It's just I feel like you're not getting the whole version of what he can bring to the table. So I hope he does well on SmackDown. I hope he climbs up the ladder to the mid card and hopefully to the main event because he's got potential to be a main eventer. He's a great wrestler, great pickup for SmackDown. Yeah, this this match wasn't so much like the introduction of Cameron Grimes that maybe I thought it was going to be, but that's fine. There's still time. But, uh, you know, he, he should have like a really good match again with someone like a Pete Dunn or something like that in the near future. I think that would be really good. After that, we had the whole Roman Reigns bloodline segment that we've already touched on. And then Bailey is backstage upset that the announcer is talking about Roman Reigns during her interview time, which right, is fair. rightfully so. Fair. Talk about Bailey. Mm -hmm. And she says that maybe she pushed EO Sky a little too hard. Maybe, maybe she wasn't ready 
to, to Ooh, face that yeah, line. Yeah, look, okay, up until that line, I would have been convinced that Bailey was turning babyface because it seemed like she'd be more selfless. Hey, I'll go for the tag titles with Dakota, you go for it. But when she says you're not ready for it, that for me thinks that the backlash performance of EO and the crowd reaction kind of probably made them think, hmm. Maybe EO should be a baby face, mm. which I'm fine with. But I still have to remind that Bailey's been here for a while and she needs to pick up some W's. If not, turn a baby face to erase the, all the L's that she's been suffering this year. Because she certainly got another one on this show. Mm. Because uh, the, the end of that promo segment was her saying, we're going to go and win back the tag titles. Dakota and her against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, this is also when you had the Usos getting upset with the LWO backstage. And then we had Liv Morgan and Raquel retaining their WWE Women's Tag Team Championship against Bayley and Dakota Kai. This was a fine, fairly short match. But again, EO Sky playing into the finish was the real story here. EO Sky gets one of the tag belts, gets on the apron. Raquel kind of like gets involved. But this leads to Liv Morgan shoving Bailey into EO and then rolling her up and getting the pin. So once again, tension. I don't, uh, okay. I do not want, so when damage control does eventually break up, I'm just sad that we're going to look back on this group and call it missed opportunity. Because mm -hmm. I feel like right now with them being on SmackDown, that's a great opportunity to steer, you know, steer the ship course correction. SmackDown could be course correction. You don't have to break up the group because we don't have another heel group, a female group on that show. There's so many men groups around. Why is there not many female groups around? And Damage Control, we were excited about it because it had potential. You have Bailey, who's a veteran, part of Four Horsewomen. You had Dakota Kai, one of the best strikers, someone with endless potential. And you got Eosky, one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. You've got the three of them together. So much potential. They could have been tag team champions. Bailey could have been women's champion. And I love Bianca Belair as a women's champion. She's a great representation uh, as, a, as a woman for, for, all, for all types of people. But it comes to a point where a title run runs its course and it's time to give it to someone else. Even if it was for a short run, Damage Control needed like a, a they've only had that Clash of the Castle match to hang their hat on, but since then nothing else. It's so hard to say, oh, Damage Control, great moments because they, what, drove a buggy one at one point? You know, it, it's kind of sad for me that this group had so much potential. An average person can book a better damage control storyline and match. It's so simple, it's so easy, yet it never happened. And then for them to break up, for me, they're breaking up with, with, with a whimper because it's like once they're broken up, what's next? I know EO has got potential to do great because I think the, the crowd from Backlash showed people, hey, EO could be a great baby face for you guys and she can go in the ring. So EO's fine. I'm like, what do you do with Dakota Kai? Make her another uh, Sonya Deville where she's going to complain. I'm not getting enough opportunities. You don't want that. So for me, it's like damage control can still be useful as a group. Just course correction. You don't have to break them up. Or fine, EO's now grown too big. Replace EO with someone else and keep the group going. I'm just saying that damage control could add. I can see damage control. There's more they can do to add to the women's division then subtract away from the women's division. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't disagree, honestly. I think having them together would be at least something, whether it, you know, I think they are greater together than they are apart at the moment. Mm. Maybe not Eosky, because she as a singles competitor is still fresh. Mm. Um, and maybe you can replace her. I don't know who you would do that with, but... 
it, it's tricky. It's tricky right now because they really did sacrifice damage control's run for the sake of giving accolades accolades to Bianca Belair. That's going to be one of the recurring words I'm going to use on this podcast until Bianca loses the title because, again, we're going to get to that thing in a moment. But, yeah, accolades. Roman has been booked for accolades. Before that, the Usos were booked for accolades. They're into accolades. If you tell them, hey, do you know this guy has read the same book for 10,000 days? This guy has been reading this book for ten five. They're gonna, they, 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 they did it. They, they're gonna, they're gonna make it into a thing. Is that, is that's what WWE into? Is, is like buzzwords for social media for SEOs. <laughs> buzzwords. That's what, that's what they like. That's what they book for nowadays. They don't book for your enjoyment. They book for buzzwords. Can't have that because next up was Bianca Belair's championship celebration. She's now the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion of all time. Accolades and. I guess they're just fine with the Raw belt being on SmackDown. It doesn't seem like they're addressing this anytime soon. And I don't know whether that's better or worse. You know, I would, this is better than them doing a belt swap because I, that would drive me up the goddamn wall. I thought they were just going to drop the names of the belts. Like just have this be like, you know, the WWE women's championship and the universal women's championship or something. This is how you fix it. Give both women, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, new belts and drop the names. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Call one, like we said it, one, the WWE Women's Championship. The other one, the World Women's Championship. You mm -hmm. know, just do the same thing with the male titles. Just give them different labels and then don't give them color-coded belts. So that way when you do swap it, it's not an issue and people are like, uh, it's not that show's belt what are we gonna do about it you know yeah it's just weird i'm just like waiting for that to be addressed and it hasn't been so far no. so anyway bianca comes out for her title celebration and who should come out immediately but oscar yay oscar's back oscar comes out and she just gets in the ring shakes her hand sprays the mist in her face mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a new set don't do that mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. I'm going to spit. <laughs> what I was going to say is like, Oscar was so obviously had green mist in her mouth mm -hmm. and she made it so extra obvious by her exaggerated movements. She came out, she's like, mm, like, you know, them ones like, who does that? You want me to shake your hand? Say you want me to shake your hands. It's like, mm -hmm. Bianca, you're too smart for that. You've been champion for the longest you have because you've been kind of, you know, wary of certain spooky stuff at times so for her to fall for that was um a bit i don't know it's kind of like they had to dump her down to make this segment work yeah i know what you mean and that was the whole segment like bianca gets the mist in her face and she rolls around screaming and they show her backstage in the trainer's room and that's that's it so i mean we'll, we'll be getting this match again whether that's in uh saudi arabia or whether that's at money in the bank or something like that <sighs> Oh, all I can say is, as as a huge Oscar fan, is do not tease me and and not pull the trigger. Give me what I want, Oscar as champion as a heel, yeah, and kicking butt. It's like they can't. It's like they're allergic to booking Oscar as a dominant wrestler on the main roster. That's how she got over in NXT. It was being dominant. Do the same thing here. Make her a heel, or they might be booking for accolades again. Could be. There was also, just before that segment, Pretty Deadly made their main roster debut, sort of, backstage. They were making fun of uh, Butch and Ridge Holland, and then they walked off. So they're going to have a match next week. It'll probably be all right. And then we had our main event, the 
final of the SmackDown bracket between Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles to see who would advance to face Seth Rollins at Night of Champions for the World Heavyweight Championship. I thought this match was, like, good. It was solid. It wasn't as good as the either of the triple threat matches that preceded it, I thought. But it was still, like, it was a fun little main event. Again, I took, you know, joy in watching these two TNA world champions having a main event match on a WWE show. Go on, just, TN, TNA, like, TNA, 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 TNA. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> but, uh, the, again, the story of this match, and it was rightly pointed out on commentary, yeah. that Bobby Lashley just had a big old bump on his noggin. Just a big old knot from where he had been busted open earlier in the show. And I really did like what Wade Barrett in particular did with this on commentary, where he was just like, look at that knot on the side of his head. This is like the danger of wrestling multiple matches in one show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's a good good way of, of taking this. Because sure enough, Bobby Lashley did end up opened back up. He yeah. was bleeding in this match again. Mm. eventually i don't know if they really hammered it home uh in the finish because i thought they might but eh, it's fine aj styles is in the corner and bobby lashley sets up for the spear and aj dodges the spear and bobby lashley goes in and hits the corner yeah he hits the post mm -hmm. and aj styles is on the apron and he kind of like kicks bobby into the post again and then hits the phenomenal forearm and gets the win. And then he celebrates with the OC on the stage with the title. And that's the end of the show. So you will see AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins at Night of Champions for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship in a rematch of their great match for Money in the Bank 2019. Now, uh, I think when uh, the main event got announced or you, you saw who was wrestling each other, it kind of, I don't know if it, did it kind of telegraph that it was going to be Seth and AJ? Because in your I mean, mind. Kinda. Huh? Kinda. Because in your mind, so. you're like, Bobby and Seth fight forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if it's not for you that it's his title, it's for that. So yeah. And also, it, they should they should have hammered home. Bobby Lashley rarely loses clean. That was a clean finish. Mm -hmm. And it's a much needed victory for AJ Styles. Because once upon a time last summer, I want to throw back to last summer when Triple H took over. AJ Styles won a triple threat match before. This is when uh, Dexter Loomis made his debut. That was like the last time I remembered AJ getting Ws. Because after that, AJ was losing, AJ was losing, AJ was losing, and AJ was losing. And then when he got the, the Good Brothers, AJ was still losing, the OC was still losing. And then since he's been back, he's catching Ws. So I'm, I'm saying that of the two, I'm always, I'm always a fan of who needs victories more. And I love the fact that because Lashley got busted open, you can always attribute the fact that he's maybe discombobulated, you know, you know, the loss of blood, he, he's kind of dizzy. Because you can also tell in real life, non-kayfabe, probably that did play, play a part of his performance. He was a bit, you know, woozy, a bit slouchy in, in the ring. So AJ Styles out maneuvering Bobby Lashley makes sense and how to beat a big guy because in real life if you're gonna fight a big guy you use your finesse and your and your quickness to outmaneuver them and that's what AJ did and we're gonna see a fantastic match a night of champions Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles AJ Styles in the twilight of his career he probably wants to go out on a few bangers and have that Hall of Fame speech ready for his Hall of Fame induction in a few years time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good match. I think these two are pretty solid choices uh, 
for a first match to determine a world heavyweight champion. I still think Seth Rollins is probably going to win that title. I'm not upset by that either. And overall, I think this capped off a pretty darn good episode of SmackDown. There was some wrestling on this show that was really good. There was a good segment from the bloodline that progressed a story that really needed to be progressed. And we had developments on the overall picture of the company. So that's, that's good stuff for me. I gave it a four out of five. I was pretty happy with this show. I'm going to be that guy again. I'll give it a three and a half out of five because there's only one women's wrestling on this show. There should be two. One person that commented last week and said, oh, I'm, I'm, was it? I'm caping or social, social justice warrior or whatever. Listen, they should be more than one women's match because there's a segment, yeah, but that segment wasn't even that long either. I'm just saying, we need more on on, on, on the women's front. We need, I, I want to see more. But yeah, I'll give it three and, a, three and a half out of five. You know, the Bloodline segment was good and uh, the tournament matches were good as well. So yeah. I just want to check very quickly that we don't have any shout outs to do before we get out of here because we're almost at the end of the show. And of course we do. It's not even halfway through the month. So before we get out of here, we have some very important people to shout out. Those being our $25 and above Patreons over at patreon.com forward slash wrestle talk, where you can get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So a big shout out to lethal J Craig. Yeah. Spoken class today. Johnny Smith. Jeremy Smith. Jeremy Smith. Yeah. John Jenkerson, son of Jenker. Yeah. Jordan Mother Effin Hawksworth. Yeah. The singing luchador, Joseph Santana. Yeah. The voice of the ring, Josh Roberts. Yeah. Breaking news, Justin Edelheit. Yeah. The heir to the throne, Kate Ayers. Yeah. Up, up above, and Keith below. Lol. Yeah. Keith Bone Daddy. Kutach. Yeah. Always leave the crowd wanting Brian Moore. Le Mieux Armand Links the Sun. Yeah. Thank you very much to all of our wonderful Pledgehammers over at patreon.com forward slash wrestle talk. But a special thank you to each of our $25 and above Patreons who get their own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this one. We are going to get out of here, but what should you do right now? You should go over to Parts Fun Known right now to check out the second day of the PFK World Cup to determine the best in the world at WWE 2K23, where you will see each of the five no rolls barred uh, representatives trying to vie for the one spot against Dan Layton to see who will win the PFK World Cup today over on Parts Fun Known. So make sure you check that out. That is happening right now. You can watch that stream now. You can watch it back after it's done, but go watch it right now. It's great. Wait, wait, before we before we go, uh, I'm, I'm off again for two weeks, daddy duty, so I won't be here for the next two weeks. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm back in June. For the foreseeable. But I'm on dad duties for the next two weeks. So try not to miss me too much. I'll be back. I'm not fired. I just got daddy duties. I have to take care of my house. It's impossible. I'll always miss you. I'll miss you too. But yes, we are the house of the black mask. Wear your black hoodie, black t-shirt, anything black, wear it and you're part of the group. The house always wins. 
We will see you next week. He won't, but I will. Go over to Parts Fun Known right now. That was SmackDown. So long, everybody.